Amen. Good morning. Have a seat. Have a seat. Wonderful, wonderful to be here. And uh, we so much love and appreciate us uh, being grafted into this family. Marion kind of offended me last night. I got over it. We, we were eating dinner in her house, and she said, she said, looked at me and said, well, the guests go first. And I said, I ain't no guest here. <laughs> oh, yeah. But anyway, um, so I'm, if you're new to this church, uh, I'm kind of part of the package, all right? Kind of like an auxiliary uh, person. I get to see you a couple times a year. I hail from uh, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the suburbs there. And, uh, but we get out here and spend a lot of time together. I have a deep affection and appreciation for your pastor and his family. And he's part of my team, too, uh, nationally as we seek to you know, support and strengthen other pastors. Uh, there's behind-the-scenes draws going on him. I asked him yesterday to accept a little thing that I need done to team up with two other pastors I need some help with. I said, I know you got a lot on your plate, but you know, I gave him that puppy dog look and look, look needy, and you know, would you help me? You know, I, I mean, I knew he would say yes. I mean, I knew he would say yes because he's a yes guy. He's like, let's get it done. But I want to say this to you. You know, it looked like an event happened here this weekend. But you know what it was? It was a mission strategy. And each one of you people that served made a mission trip. Because what you did was you invested. I got choked up in early service. What you did was you invested in men and their leadership teams. I think we had guys from 17 states here in their leadership teams. And that 400 and some plus men that came. And I'm telling you, my phone lit up last night. My texts were flowing this morning. My email was jammed full. Just thanking us and saying, please thank Living Stones, all that, because you made a mission trip. You invested. People went back healthy, excited, challenged. And you know, I always tell guys, listen, when you go to a conference like this, for a week, don't change anything. Don't, don't just like go in a room for yourself, like by a week before you just like blowing everything up, you know. But uh, I know they won't listen to me. But anyway, I try. I try, you know, when I'm the guy that's balancing you, it's probably not the best scenario. Okay, but anyway, but, but just thank you, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, and it double pleases me because I'm such a part of this church family, and you guys have just grafted, have grafted me, in, and, and, we, and we thank you, and my, my wife sends her, sends her greetings and her love, and she's just, she's got to come the next time I come, for sure, right? She, she owes you guys one, she owes you guys one, so she owes me a couple, too, but don't bring that up, but anyway. All right, let's go to the Word of God this morning. Uh, Ephesians 2, I'm going to pick up in verse 13. We're going to read uh, through the end of the chapter there. And uh, Lord, just thank you for utterance in the Holy Spirit. Thank you for bringing to my recalls I minister the things you've put in my heart, Lord. Even a couple of the nuggets you dropped in this morning, Lord. And God, open our hearts. Lord, I pray for the soil of our soul to be open to receive the engrafted word that transforms us, God, and uh, frustrates the devil. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm reading from the New American Standard. Most translations uh, read pretty close along. No great word changes in this passage. But uh, it says, Now in Christ, Christ Jesus, you who formerly were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself. You know, one thing I like in this passage, you'll catch it, is the words he and himself. 
it's, it's, it's great. If you're a Bible underliner, underline that. For he himself is our peace who made both groups, referring to Jew and Gentile, into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. I'm glad Jesus is still kicking walls down. Hallelujah, aren't you? Amen. Amen. By abolishing in his flesh the enmity, the schism, you know, the, the, the vision, which is, is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by yet having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who are far away, and peace to those who are near, for through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then, so then, or because of this, some translations say therefore, some say now, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. Now I love the church. Hallelujah. And let me just say this to love the church. You have to love a church. Okay, it's like saying I'm a people person, but there's no particular person I love. Okay, and there are people out there that talk about the church, but really they don't have any credibility because they're not part of a church. The way you get to be part of the church is being part of a church, right? You can't be part of the United States unless you're a state, right? So God, in, in the Word of God, when we read the term church, you've got to realize almost every time, Almost, not quite, but almost every time the word church is used in the New Testament, it's actually a reference to a particular local assembly, okay? There's no blueprint in the New Testament for building a universal church. That universal church exists by the, by, by the byproduct of a local churches that exist, Okay, so we are a church. We are, you know, what the best definition of a local church is, is it's, a, it's an embassy of the kingdom of heaven. In the spirit, we are an embassy. We represent our king of another nation who is establishing his rule and his reign on this planet. And he's not doing that etherically or mystically. He's doing that spiritually through his people. In Crown Point, Indiana this morning, there is an embassy with the king's name on it. We are ambassadors of him. We are a local assembly. We are not a mystical group. We are a spiritual group. And we have an outworking that does things, okay? And I want to talk to you about that this morning, that we make sure that we keep our, our spiritual equilibrium true, especially, guys, just coming out of a conference where we were talking about all the things we've got to do. It's important that we remember who we are. And what we do comes out of who. Amen? All right, so that's important. So I'll just share a little bit about myself. Some of you, uh, you know, it, you know, it's so fun to come here and people walk up and say, hey, Pastor Keith, it's good to see you. I know your names. And you asked me about my kids. Can I just tell you how much that means? I really appreciate being part of this church. That is a high value in my life and how we live and how we do kingdom. So 
So thank you. Of course, you know, I go back with Pastor Dick and Susie, how many years? 30, what did we figure out, 31 years? And we still like each other. Now, Susie intimidates me sometimes. It goes both ways. Uh, no, no. I mean, like, Susie is a legend in NRP. You know, like, like, what would Susie do? You know what I'm saying? You know, like, 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 guys say to me, what should I? I said, I don't know, but Susie said, okay, I'll just do it. Up. No, no, we, we just, I'm just, I'm just teasing her. No, we do. We just revere them. We just revere them. You know, the relational conduit in the kingdom of God is amazing. When we talk about God building by relationships, you can't build by relationships unless you stay connected. And that's really what I'm going to talk to you about today. So I was, you know, a lot of you know my testimony. I was saved on the street. Uh, we had no church background in my family. We come from a very disheveled background. And some people got filled with the Holy Ghost and went out and started preaching on the street corner in a housing project. And hallelujah, the Lord netted me, you know. And uh, so the first Sunday, I'm going to go to church. I have no idea what's about to happen. I've never been in church in my life. I don't think, I tell people, I don't think we were even invited to church. I never remember one person in my life telling me they were a Christian. I was 18 years old. Never remember one person witnessing to me. Never remember one person inviting our family to church. Never, never, never remember anybody with all the chaos and the brokenness that was in our family. Never remember anybody coming saying, we're praying for you. I never remember that. Now, maybe it happened, but I don't, I don't know, okay? So I remember that first Sunday walking through the church doors, and it was a great church, had a pretty lobby, kind of like you guys got here, not quite as nice, but had the double glass doors, you know, and, and there was a big guy at the door. His name was George Woods. George has gone to be on with the Lord, and he was a greeter. He didn't do greeting. He was a greeter. When I was in Bible college, several years later, here comes George driving up. Keith, come take you to lunch. Hallelujah. That's what, you know what I mean? Like hospitality is not just when you treat people good at home. It's when you make people feel at home whenever they're with you. That's the gift of hospitality. That's my wife. Okay? That's my, you talk about breaking down walls. I just fall a penny. You know what I mean? She, she just, she just like, like she sees walls. She's like a guided missile. She just like, boom, like a smart bomb, you know? I just stand back and laugh. If I tried to do that, it wouldn't work. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, so, you know, I'm walking in the door, and the first thing I see is Big George. He's a big guy. I don't know who he was. And he grabs this other guy, and they're hugging each other. And they're enjoying it. And I'm like, okay. Now, I'm like, I literally had a pivot in my step. I was going to go one through one glass door, and I was just going to pivot out the other one. You know what I mean? Like, I'd had enough. I didn't even make it through the door, and I was gone. Are you with me? And I just said this, this hand literally grabbed me by the back. You know what I mean? And I, and I wasn't going anywhere, you know? So, then, so, so I made it through that. Okay, praise the Lord. So then we get, then we get into the church service, right? And uh, they start singing. This is the day that the Lord has made. How many old-timers we got? Amen. And they sang it, I might be exaggerating, 50 times. I was like, okay, so I heard, I mean, and it was just, and they were, I mean, it, I mean, it was happening. I mean, they were, they were like having fun. Like, they were like excited to be in church, okay? And, and you know, I'm, I'm just like, okay, man, you know. And then, and then the lady right in front of me, the whole church, the building is full. The lady, not across the room, right in front of me. I mean, right in front of me, eat the shopo soka. I'm like, oh my goodness, you know. I mean, she's giving, I mean, a message in tongues. I mean, she, this little woman, she's belting out. And then, listen, then she falls over. 
she gives the message and then just faints straight away, whacks her head on the way down, right in front of me. I'm like leaning over the pew. Like, did she go through the floor? Did she, what, like, what, what, like, you know, and then I'm, I'm thinking, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I am saved. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm telling you, I met Jesus. You know how I knew? Because I got convicted of my sin. That's how you know you get saved. I remember going home one night after just my, my, my sinner's prayer was, Lord, if you are who these people say you are, here I am. That's how I got saved. And I, I looked in the mirror, and I said to myself out loud, true story, I said, there's something wrong with you. Because I was convicted about something in my life. I'd never been convicted by anything. I made excuses for everything. Are you with me? I mean, first of all, I didn't even know what right and wrong was. I wasn't immoral. I was amoral. I, 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 didn't, even have a bar- I didn't even have a barometer. You know, what was right is what I decided was right. But I'm going to tell you something happened. I walked into a whole nother culture. I walked into a whole nother world. And I didn't understand it. But I was intrigued by it. Kind of like getting married. I was intrigued by it. But I didn't understand it. I'm still intrigued by it. And I still don't understand it. I'm not about marriage. Okay? I'm not the guy that's going to write the book on the marriage thing, all right? Aaron, listen, when, or Andrew, when you were talking about the baby thing today, I, I leaned over to Pastor Ryan and said, brother, he's on dangerous ground right now. I mean, he, he's on dangerous ground. I mean, I mean, I made the mistake one time of, of saying, like, how painful it was for us to have a baby. Now, my wife is sweet, but I'm telling you, there's another side of that woman, too. Let me, uh, let me just say this. I mean, I was so, like, I'm a fixer. You know, like, I'm, like if something's happening, I'm going to fix. When I, when I start observing is when I make big mistakes. When I'm just sitting there and you just tell me this, like, that's when I'm going to say or do the wrong thing. And I'm, I'm trying everything I do. She's trying to have a baby, right? Turned out to be a ten and a half pound baby, by the way. But anyway, she's she's trying to have a baby, and I'm and I got the little cloth, and I'm running around Brent, and I'm just I'm like trying to touch her, you know. And she looks at me and goes, "If you touch me with that cloth one more time." I mean, I was waiting for a three fifty seven to come up from underneath the sheets. So listen. If you think I understand that, I'm still intrigued by it. I am, honestly, from the depths of my heart. I mean, I, I'll just tell you this. There are some, we've been married 41 years now. And, uh, you know, there's some early mornings where I'll, I'll wake up and, of course, she's beside me. She's not allowed to go anywhere. And, and some mornings I'll, I'll just look at her and think, how, uh, even though I don't understand it, I don't, I don't get it, okay, a lot of it, all right, when that I'm not going to go there. But anyway, that's, that's a conference. But guys, listen, thank God your wife's different from you, number one. Just, just thank the Lord. Can you imagine being married to you, how weird that would be? I'm really off my notes here, but anyway. 
when I look at her and just think about how amazing she is and things she does and how different she is and how she can see the same thing I see and have a total different take on it is utterly amazing to me. And as I've grown in grace, this is true, as I've grown in grace, the things that used to frustrate me literally amaze me, though I still don't understand them. Do you understand me? It really is a wonderful thing. And it really is like the church. And Jesus compared marriage and the church. So, you know, we're, we're his bride. So that ought, to, that ought to communicate something to us, amen, that we need to understand. But I was just amazed by the church. And as time went on, as, as a young man, uh, I, I didn't flirt with the church. I fell in love with the church. I gave myself to the church. And I had always had this tremendous jealousy for the church. You know, when I see these issues of righteousness that, that need to be talked about in our culture, in our country, and, and I see the church being silent sometimes, there's just something that rises up in me. I, I just feel God's jealousy. I feel God's heart for his church to want to be the one that shines in the square and, and to speak out and, and that, that represents him properly and does everything that he would want us to do. Hallelujah. God does not want us flirting with his church, just looking for attention. You know, I had a guy tell me one time, I, I was preaching at a church, and uh, he lived out in the country, and he took us out to his, his beautiful home for dinner after church, and he had a couple acres, and he had a couple sheep, a couple goats there, and, you know, uh, he kind of looked like a little gentleman farmer, and, and uh, he took me, he said, I, he said, do you know why Jesus talked about sheep and goats? And, of course, now here's, now here's just a little hint for you. When somebody who knows something about something says to you, do you know, your answer should always be, no, I don't know. Okay, just, just even if you think you know, just say, you know, I don't know. Like when your wife says, do you know about this? You go, honey, I didn't even know. I never heard that word in my life before. Okay. So he says about the sheep and the goats. So we go out, and he's got this, this little goat, and the goat comes out, and I've got my tie on still, and the goat runs up and tries to kiss me and grabs my tie and janking me around, and, you know, and, you know this goat wants to play, you know, and he takes me over and sees the sheep, and he opens the thing, and the, the sheep just backs up. He said, that goat is affectionate to everybody and loyal to nobody. It's affectionate to everybody and loyal to nobody. That's why Jesus talked about sheep and goats. I thought, well, that's pretty, that was his take on it. But I've always remembered that. And I think sometimes that's true. God just doesn't want us to be affectionate. He does want our affection, but he wants us to be loyal because he is loyal to us. He is the promise keeper. He is that. He is the alpha and the oh man. He is the covenant keeper. Amen. And he wants us to be like that. Now, I titled this message Plan A. Okay, because God has plan A, and there's a difference between having a plan and plan A. We always have a plan, but God has plan A. Now, here's the important thing. Do you know what plan B is? I can guarantee you don't because there isn't one. God does not have plan B. God has plan A, and plan A is the local church. That is God's plan. God's plan to preach the gospel to all nations and disciple nations and change the world and redeem man is inside this room right now as an embassy of the kingdom of heaven. There is plan A. There is no plan B. Jesus said he would build his church, and if we're not building his church, we're building the wrong thing. It's plan A. Game on. Amen? we got to understand this. And we have the privilege, not just the obligation, which I think there is such a thing as a spiritual obligation, to be a part 
of what God is doing. And as I said, you can't be a part of the church unless you're a part of a church. And I think it's so cool that we celebrated people officially declaring their betrothal to a local church today and saying, I'm a member of this family. And the thing that revolutionized my life when I walked through that door as a kid who was an accident looking for a place to happen, who had a chip on my shoulder that was full of rage and anger and bitterness and addiction and everything that went along with that these people brought me in like I was a joint heir. Hallelujah. They loved me in Jesus' name. They challenged me in Jesus' name. I didn't have to earn being a part. I was a part. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes I wonder just a little bit what would have happened as a young man with no understanding of what G- who Jesus was, even though I was born again just for about a week at that point. What if they had taken me a church who didn't get it? Whoa. I tell you, it just, it just it shivers up my spine, you know. I'm just God, God is graceful, amen. And he knew what I needed, and I had a pastor that embraced me and, and challenged me and loved me. And, you know, I, I, I think I was a little bit of entertainment to them, quite frankly. But, you know, they, they might have thrown money at me if I'd asked for it because just... I'm sure I was asking questions they hadn't uh, heard before in Jesus' name. Now listen, in Matthew 16, Jesus says this statement, I will. That's an imperative statement. I will. So he's going to do it. So I will build, not speak into existence. Isn't that interesting? I'm going to build. I'm going to build my church. So... In the study of ecclesiology, the nature of the church, I believe the most significant word in the Bible is the word M-Y. There's lots of descriptions in the scripture about what the church is, what it does. But you cannot get too far. Number one, it is his. This is his. And I'm not talking about a bit I'm talking about this. Our relationships one to another. Our mission together. Our, our understanding that God has placed gifts in the Bible to minister to us. And to, this, this is His. We are a part of something that we do not control, yet we are required to be a steward of. You know, we had, uh, had an experience when I was a pastor a few years ago. We, uh, our church was acting, I guess, particularly rowdy one Sunday. You know, you get people that get forgiven, they kind of get a little wild sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Hint, okay? And so I'm, I'm meeting some people at the back door, and this gentleman goes out, and, you know, and he's kind of stoic, and he goes, I didn't appreciate that worship service today. I looked at him, I said, sir, it's okay, your name was not in any of the songs. And the more I thought it, the more ticked I got about the whole thing. I didn't get upset that here's one guy with an opinion, but I I began to think, where have we come? I want you to think about this because I'm going somewhere with this. Where have we come as a body of body? I have no doubt that this gentleman was a Christian because I think he had a couple verses up his sleeve or something. But anyway, where have we come where we actually somehow even subconsciously think that this service has something to do with us. Hello? This is not the blue light special. This is not a Sunday coupon to get what you need. 
Now, the benefit is, you know, the collateral damage, the collateral blessing, if you were, is that, you know, we get edified, we get, we get challenged, we get stirred up, we get convinced. There, there's reciprocal benefit, without a doubt. But the focus is Jesus. Amen? It's his house. He's the center of our attention. We play to the audience of one today. We play to the audience of one. And as a man of God, sometimes when I sit back and I've got to analyze things and strategically and what are we doing and how we come, at the end of the day, I've got to draw a line and say, was the Lord pleased? Did it make him smile? Would he bless what we did and how we did it, though some other people may not appreciate it because they've lost focus that it's not about them? Hallelujah. It includes us. But we are not the centerpiece of what he is doing. God has included us. And I thank God for that in Jesus' name. Now, in 1 Corinthians 12, in verse 18, you know, where it talks that those three chapters are that talk about the body of Christ. Verse 18 has always gotten my attention. It says, for God has placed every member. Say every. Every. You know what that means in the Greek? Every. There's no exclusions. God has placed every member in the church. Now remember, he's writing to a particular church. He's not writing a doctrinal thesis on the the orientation of what a church looks like. He's saying to this church, God has placed every member in the church and has pleased him. You can't be a member of the church unless you're a member of a church. That's how it works. Okay? And God has placed every member. Yet we have scores of evangelicals and charismatics running out there who have divorced themselves from the church. They're not placed. They've resisted their placing. And listen, I'm not completely cold-hearted. I mean, I understand that things happen. You know what I mean? But listen to me. God has placed every member without exception in the church as it pleased who? As it pleased him. God has a place. There are people that came into membership today. God is smiling. God has a place. He is designed for them. It's not about them. It's about him because God has an ultimate purpose that he's allowing us to participate in. And if we don't grab hold of that in all our activities, we can subconsciously be like the guy at the back door who thinks, you know, I didn't like that. Okay, there's things I don't like. What does that mean? Okay, there's, there's sermons I have to preach that I, you know, I wouldn't pick if I was given multiple choice. Are you, are, are you with me? But that is not my choice. That, that, that is God's truth. There are, there are sacrifices. There are commitments. But it's not about me. It is about him. We are not just a, a human need-meeting station. We're not the Red Cross. We're not Goodwill. We're not the, the Indiana... Uh, division of the human welfare services. And, you know, I guess they all do good work. That's not us. We do those things from a divine perspective. Are you with me? We do it because of who God is and how he loves and cares about man. That's our understanding. That's what we do. The purpose of the church is to glorify God. He is the center focus. There is no plan B. When we come together to glorify him, that's when great things happen because his glory resounds and pours out on us, and we get touched by it. Hallelujah. Now let's look at verse 19 here. I want to spend a few minutes with you here. So from verse 13, actually the whole chapter, if you go to verse 1, uh, 
all the way up to verse 13, it's literally talking about the, the like if you had a spiritual x-ray, okay, picture a spiritual x-ray, it's telling you what's happening in your spirit and how you're being redeemed. He kicked down the walls. He nailed the ordinance to the cross. He silenced the critics. It, it's giving you, like if you, were, if, if you were a prosecuting attorney, you'd be prosecuting the devil's accusation against sin. You, 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 you could use Ephesians 2 in court right here. But then he gets to verse 19. There's a shift here. So then, because of that, here is the purpose why God has redeemed you. God did not redeem you just to get you to heaven. He redeemed you to make you a part of the calling of heaven on this planet while you still have breath. To join us to his purposes, not just to meet our needs. God wants to meet. He's generous. He is benevolent. He is a healer. He is a forgiver. Hallelujah. And I'm, that's who he is. But he is doing something that's bigger than you and I. Bigger than you and I. I'm so glad. You know, if you're not a part of something that's bigger than you, then you don't really have a vision, okay? You've got to have that. So he says then that you are no longer, so then, no longer, you used to be, but you're not. You are no longer strangers and aliens. Have you ever walked into a place and you felt like a stranger? That's why I had to minister correction to Sister Mary yesterday. When she accused me of being a visitor in her house. Hallelujah. It was, it was a good nature exchange. And besides, there was spaghetti, so I was going to do whatever I could to get the spaghetti, okay? <laughs> Stranger. Awkward. Not initiated. Not oriented. That's what he's talking. He's really talking here about more of an emotional or a soulish identification than a mental understanding thing. You're no longer sure. You know you're what. Like, I'm, like when I come here, I don't feel like i got to perform. And I'm just who I am, and I got invited, and we're connected, and, you know, God's going to do something, and, and we're in this together. Are you with me? Listen, no longer a stranger. When you get placed, let me go back to uh, 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 12, 18. Let's go, let me go back to that place. Let me retract because I got off there a little bit. There are two different, there are actually several, but there are two unique Greek words that are used in the New Testament for that word place. One means like to be at attention. Like, like our theme this year for Band of Brothers was battle stations. That word would work. Like, like you're on guard, you're loaded, you're locked, your powder's dry, you know, you're on alert, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I'm in my place, baby, come on, you know. The other one, and, and, and some of the Greek scholars said this, that word paints like a person in a vertical position, like standing up, ready to go. This word is the, like the antithesis of that. This word, the Greek scholar says, paints a person in a horizontal position. It paints something that has found its resting spot. Like, you know, like you, like you have things at home, Right? and they have like a shelf. There's like a place they go. They're still useful, but there's a place they go. Like I'm a person, I like order, so I like to know where they're at so when I need them, I can grab them. Are you there? I'm like that with people too. I like to know where they're at so when I need them, I can grab them. Hallelujah. <laughs> Are you with me? And so it's, it's a really powerful word. He's really giving a, a, a portrait of people understanding their place and being at rest, that there's a place for you, that God has caught out a place, and you can rest, you can lay down, you are plugged in, you are part of it, and when you're needed, the Holy Spirit will tap on you and pull you and cause you, and that's your place, and there's nobody else that has that place but you. 
Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I, I, I really like that, don't you? I am, God has placed every member in the body as it pleases. That place. So I know I'm in place when I've got a rest. That doesn't mean I don't want to do anything. But I'm not looking for my place. I'm not chafing for my place. I'm not, you know, demanding a place. I'm not trying to create my own place. I'm in place. See, there is greater understanding for a part when it knows how it connects to the whole. Okay? There's a greater understanding and appreciation of a part when it knows how it's connected to the whole. That's what this word is telling us here. And so over here in Ephesians uh, 2, when he talks about we are no longer strangers and aliens. Now, I think it was, well, it would have been the spring of 1982. I know I don't look that old. But Penny and I had gone out and planted our first church. And uh, we were real excited, and uh, I, I had four sermons, hallelujah, and uh, we had a group of 14 people to plant that church with, and I gave it everything I had, and I prayed, and I fasted, and I preached, and we grew from 14 people in three months to 10 people, hallelujah. <laughs> Amazing church growth. They were calling me to conferences and to write books and everything, you know. But then something happened. God started supernaturally invading, and we had a string of supernatural healings that affected our small community. And within a year, that building was full because God was ringing the dinner bell, and whole families were getting saved. It was amazing. Hallelujah. Now, the other amazing part was after a year, I had told them everything I knew, and I had made up a couple things. I mean, I was over my head, and I went to our little leadership team there, and I said, listen, we got to get an older man in here to pastor this church, because I, like, I've told you everything I know, and you probably, Penny would say to me, didn't you preach that a couple weeks ago? I'd say, absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because one thing about me, I'm not going to get up and pretend like I know something. Are you with me? Like, I hear some of these guys, like, I'm like, do they really, like, do they know that? Do they really believe, I mean, where, where did that come from? But anyway, so, so that's what happened. And we moved back into our home area, and, and I got a job, and she got a job, and I was going to jails and preaching, just saying, God, you know, whatever you want to do with our life, here we are. You know, this is a great thing. And then uh, my home church, you know, that, that church with the glass doors and George at the door, I ended up becoming the associate pastor of that church during this process. It was a great church. Matter of fact, I'll be back there to preach twice in November because they're going through a, a pastoral change after many years, and they asked me if I'd come back and just, it's, what, what, isn't it great to be connected to people for a lifetime? For a lifetime. For a lifetime to be connected. Hallelujah. You know, I, I pointed out to the guys here, many of you know Pastor Rick Paladin, right? Rick is one of my, my spiritual sons, and, you know, when he was 18 years old, at our next church plant, Rick was part of that. There was about 15 of us meeting in the funeral home. Rick came the second week that church started, 18 years old, got filled with the Holy Spirit. He's the pastor of the church now, Five Campus Church. That's the only church he's ever been a part of in his whole life. I want you to think about that. So the fruit, listen, you can't have fruit unless you have root. You can fertilize, you can, you can, you can do everything you want, but if you don't have root, you will never bear long-term fruit. Are you with me? Yeah. 
So I'm sitting in my office. Now, a couple years have passed. I, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I got a little bit more on the brain here. I'm, I, I'm a, a little bit well coached. My, my methodology's gotten better. I've gotten more affirmation in my gifting. I got, you know, uh, some good things are happening. I'm sitting in my office, and I'm reading this text. I'm at so then, okay? And I'm reading this passage, and it was like the fear of God came on me. Not the glory of God, the fear of God. And I'm reading this passage from 19 to the end of the chapter there, Lynn, and it was like I had this dreadful thought. I thought, Lord, I've been in the ministry now for a few years. I've got a fairly decent Bible education. I'd been to two different institutions and had some pretty good mentors. You know, I mean, I certainly wasn't a scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, fairly well-equipped. And I'm reading this passage, and this thought came through my mind, I don't even know what the church is. I know something about leadership. I know something about doctrine. I know something about organizations. I know something about strategy. I know something about missionology. I mean, I knew a lot about the parts. Again, it's like marriage. I could see all these things, but like to connect the whole dots is just like amazing to me. And I'm sitting there, and God just stirred me and said, I want to teach you about my church. And this passage of Scripture changed the paradigm of how I do ministry to this day. Hallelujah. Rather than looking at the church as just a, a, an instrument of God to do things, to see it as a relationship of God who became things. Hallelujah. Are you with me? See, that, that, that was a paradigm change. You understand that? God wants us to know that he is in the center and that we are connected to him. And let's be real. Let's be real. People leave churches mainly because they get disappointed with people. And I understand being disappointed with people. I've disappointed droves of people. Okay? But listen, but think about it. Without, without being hyper-spiritual, think about it. If we're really connected to Jesus, should we not be encouraging and embracing the very people that disappointed us? Are you with me? Because, you know, wherever you go next, you know what? The same people are going to be there. I've traveled all over the world. I meet the same people. It's amazing. They're come, they got different earth suits. They speak different languages. They're different ages. They've got different cultures. But they're the same people. The good news is it's the same God. Hallelujah. And it's the same plan. There is plan A and there is no plan B. Hallelujah. You don't have to know everything about it to love it. And God, as a young man, put this passion in me. And even as a young man in my 20, I find myself going to men much more older, much more credentialed, much, much, much more, you know, uh, you know, mature than I was, but just sharing my passion with them and encouraging them and washing their feet. People say to me, to like, like, I don't know if it's like a backhanded insult, you know, or you know, they look at me and say, well, like, how would you get to be a, over a bunch of, I, say, I don't know, I just, I just think I just love my way up. I, I don't know. It, it's certainly because I don't, I don't have the credentials. Are you with me? It's, it's like loving your wife. Just be amazed. Just when something happens in the church, like, like if you walked in today and maybe you've got a little bit of pacifist action going on, there's a machine gun in the lobby, you know, rather than saying, how dare them put him, just, I'm just amazed that somebody would think of putting a machine gun in her lobby. <laughs> so that's, that's what I do with Penny now. When she, when she I, I just, honestly, I, I mean, I'm telling you, I, this I've grown, I just, I just stand amazed. Yeah, Marion, what are you laughing about? 
Speaking of being, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, now you've opened the door. So about a couple weeks ago, Penny and I are having pillow talk. We're sitting up in our bed and talking, like, what's going on in your life? What's going on in your life? She goes, oh, did you hear? I said, what? Did I hear what? Of course, that always means, no, you didn't hear. Right? Come on, give me some amens, God. Come on, bro. She said, Marion and the girls are going to come here to get their hair cut. Now, listen, stay, stay with me for a minute. Colored. Oh, I feel a little safer. Then maybe no sharp objects will be involved. Okay. My one daughter is a, is a, is a, whatever they do, you know. I don't, I don't know what the politically correct name is now. Okay. I don't know what it is. A, you know, a, a, a hair sculptor or something. I don't know what they do. Okay. They charge too much money to call it a haircut. Let me just tell you that. Okay. Ain't nobody paying hundred bucks to get a haircut. But anyway, so she said, I said, wait a minute. They're going to drive from Crown Point, Indiana to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in January to get their hair colored. She goes, yeah, what's wrong with that? I says, does Pastor Ron know this? No, no, I knew, see, listen, I knew the answer to that. No, no, Pastor Ron doesn't know that because here's what they do. They plan it, and then when you say, when did that happen, they'll say, oh, don't you remember I told you? And then, she, and then, listen, listen, so this, this not understanding thing works two ways. So then she says to me with a straight face, are you going to be here? I said, when are they coming? She said, I said, I won't be here. She goes, what do you got planned? I said, I don't know, but I'm going to plan something. <laughs> she goes, well, that's not nice. I said, no, listen, listen, listen. A confined space can only handle so much estrogen. And when that estrogen cloud starts lowering, I'm out of here. I mean, I've learned this. I got five daughters, okay? So, I mean, I'm a veteran. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm a veteran of this. So when I say, like, I don't understand that. You got I mean, there's nobody here that does hair. I mean, come on. And then I, and then I started on Penny. I said, literally, do they know Annie? They're going to trust her with scissors and chemicals? I mean, do they, do they know this? She goes, that's not, I shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> Thank God for Penny. Hallelujah. She sits on the front row sometimes and goes, don't touch me with that cloth one more time. Listen, let's be amazed by the church once again. Instead of looking around at some of the things and some of the people and some of the mistakes we make, and we make them all, that Jesus is a redeemer looking for a place to happen. And if we stay rooted, we will bear fruit in Jesus' name. We are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow. That means equal. Equal. I'm a citizen. You know how I got to be the citizen of the United States, which is a great privilege? I got born here. Not a high qualification. Right? I came out of the womb in the right piece of geography. That's all it took. All right? 
And when you came out of the spiritual womb, you became part of the church. You became a fellow citizen and are of God's household. That's another great Greek word. It's two different words that are put together. The one word has to do with structure, like building a house. Another one has to do with relationship, like living in the house. You know, there's a big difference between a house and a home, as the old saying goes. And that's a picture of what that word rates mean. We are of God's household. Hallelujah. Oh, I love that word. Growing up the way I did, I was so grateful and thankful to be part of a household that's real in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I've got a family identity. I'm a part of a family called the church, called the bride of Christ. I'm not flirting. I'm married. I'm bought in in Jesus' name. Having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. One more verse. I want to look at verse 21 here. In whom, I love this part. I love the whole thing, obviously. In whom the whole building That includes you, right? That's in every. The whole building being fitted together. In other words, we don't come factory fit. Guys, Christmas Eve, you're all excited. Your wife hands you something. You pull it out. It says, for the kids, assembly required. You instantly lose your excitement. Because the guy that wrote those directions needs healed. He lives to torment you because part A isn't even in the box, right? But it needs to be assembled. We are the assembly of God, the Old Testament called us, amen. It's, you know what happens here? You know what God is doing in the spirit right now Sunday morning? Assembly required. It's assembly, like you're here, but will you be assembled? Will you dare to be connected? Will you be a part of the bigger picture? Will you just receive the wine, or will you be part of the wine skin that gives it to the next person? Hallelujah. The whole building being fitted together is growing. That's the organic side of it, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are being built together into a dwelling. And here's where I like the King James. The King James says, a habitation. I just like that word better. A habitation. What is our purpose? What is our highest calling? To be a habitation of God. To worship God. And then out of being, we do. Hallelujah. Welcome to the family. God has a place of rest, but also a place of use. That he can tap you on the shoulder I say, I'm glad you found your place, but I want to use you over here too. Hallelujah. I think that's a word. The place you're in is not going to be the only place you're at. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Stand up with me this morning. Let's get amazed again. Let's get amazed again. We are part of the bride. Hallelujah. When those doors swung open and I saw my bride, I'll never forget that moment. I was so shocked she showed up. Hallelujah. (laughs) Now listen. Can you imagine if somebody in that wedding would have stood up and objected? If they would have criticized her gown or the way she looked or 
Can you, can you imagine somebody doing that? Yet the Lord hears this from people that he's redeemed about his bride. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. You've been redeemed. You've been invited to have your edges filed down so you can fit into something greater than yourself. I just simply want to invite some of you maybe that have been in a church a long time. Maybe you just need to get amazed again. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to figure it out. Just get amazed again. Just get amazed again. Amen. Can we do that? I just want to speak to some people that might be, just bow your head with me for a minute. I just want to speak to some people that maybe, you know, when I was on that 1 Corinthians 12, 8 thing early this morning as I was praying, I just felt like the Lord said, I just want to give some folks rest. I, I, want, I want folks to know how much they, uh, they really are loved. That there really is a place for them. Hallelujah. You know, you can't fight rejection unless you gain acceptance. Rejection doesn't go away by getting rid of something. Rejection is driven out by receiving something. Okay. And the acceptance of Christ in us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I accept people so much, I want them to change. Hallelujah. How about that? Because <laughs> I see God in them and what he wants to do. That's part of the package. Let's get amazed again. Can we do that? If you're wrestling this morning, I'm going to turn over to Pastor Ron, and then he's going to come, and then we're going we're gonna to go back and pray, okay? But especially this morning, if you may be just wrestling with that, you really didn't know, hey, I really am a fellow citizen. That's what God's Word says. I'm an heir. I'm a joint heir. I'm part of this building. I'm part of the holy habitation. I'm part of the diplomatic staff of this embassy of heaven. Hallelujah. Step up. Get your spaghetti. Don't let anybody take it away from you. Get what God has given you in Jesus' name.